Lord, I call on you. Hurry to help me. Listen to my voice when I call on you. May my prayer be set before you as incense, the raising of my hands as the evening offering. Lord, set up a guard for my mouth. Keep watch at the door of my lips. Do not let my heart turn to evil things or perform wicked acts with evildoers. Do not let me feast on their delicacies. Let the righteous one strike me. It is an act of faithful love. Let him rebuke me. It is oil for my head. Let me not refuse it. Even now, my prayer is against the evil acts of the wicked. When their rulers will be thrown off the sides of a cliff, and the people will listen to my words, for they are pleasing. As when one plows and breaks up soil, turning up rocks, so our bones have been scattered at the mouth of Sheol. But my eyes look to you, Lord, my Lord. I seek refuge in you. Do not let me die. Protect me from the trap that they have set for me and from the snares of evildoers. Let the wicked fall into their own nets while I pass by safely. What is your refuge? What is it that you run to in seeking shelter or protection? What is it that you desire when your situations in life have absolutely beaten you down? Where do we go? What do we do? What emotions do we feel or what emotions can we feel? And what does our Father have to say about all this as well? So good morning, New Eden Church. My name is Chris Kinney, as Joel said, for those of you that don't know me. And this morning, I'm eager. I I wasn't there at first, but now I am. I'm eager to process through Psalm 141 with you. And I hope that by the end of this, we'll be able to have deep roots to see the refuge God of David is the same refuge that we can run to as well. So it's not a stretch of just looking at the world as it is right now and and being burdened, but in the midst of brokenness around the world, we're also dealing with our own brokenness when we show up here or throughout the week, our own situations that we have either put ourselves into or the situations have simply been placed around us. Everybody here has something. But something that I've been very thankful for recently is our missional community has basically just been going down the list and praying for many of you guys over the last few weeks and the weeks to come. And it's just been a joy to pray over you guys and lift up any burdens to the Lord and process as an MC. Is there anything that we can also physically do right now? And from this, it's been a sweet way of just gathering the heartbeat of the church to see where everybody's at to see how we can praise and thank the Lord for how he's working in each of your lives. But we're also going on behalf of you that God would come and be the refuge that many of you need. And this is where I truly feel this psalm can speak to everyone in this room today, including me. Each of us can come in carrying the burdens of the week or even carrying the burdens of what we know that we're walking into for when we're leaving here. So what can Psalm 141 teach us about finding our refuge? I want us to see that we have a very present God who offers sanctuary for us in the midst of chaos and danger. Not just on a Sunday morning, but in the midst of the battlefield, in the midst of what seems like running for your life or crying out from the wilderness. So let's dive in. 
So for Psalm 141, commentators are not particularly sure when this psalm was written in David's life. Some think because of the imagery, it makes it seem like it may have been written when he was fleeing for his life from King Saul, his own king that was trying to kill him out of jealousy and pride, or even fleeing from his own son, Absalom, who was also after the throne. You get imagery in the last few verses of David fleeing from the traps of the enemy while they are trying to capture him. David was fleeing from Saul in the caves and in the mountains, through the wilderness and through multiple towns to escape him and his soldiers. But ultimately, this could have been written during any of David's seasons of life when we see him calling upon the Lord in his desperate need of help when it looks like his enemies are trying to capture him, whether literally or figuratively. This is a man simply seeking refuge. And at the same time, he's also contrasting being hunted by the enemy to being rebuked by a friend. This man is processing a lot, but that is honestly what I have grown to love about the Psalms. We get David's raw emotions and prayers, prayers that come from a broken man, prayers that allow us to see that these historical figures in the Bible were real people that were just as broken as we are. That David is not just simply a caricature of a man after God's own heart, which is true, but that he was a guy that deeply loved the Lord and was just as broken and could get just as sidetracked as we can. But by God's faithfulness and preserving his text, we have insight into a man's life that 3,000 years later, we're able to lament, rejoice, worship, sing, and ask questions with David about all the things that were on his heart and also ours. So Psalm 141 is an individual psalm of lament, a prayer asking the Lord to help David in his personal situation right then. So we'll start with verses one and two. Lord, I call on you. Hurry to help me. Listen to my voice when I call on you. May my prayer be set before you as incense, the raising of my hands as the evening offering. First, what I love about this psalm is that David simply goes to the Lord for help. For me to come up and say, God is listening to your prayers, He's, he hears you, he hears your cries, could honestly be enough and encouraging enough for some of us this morning. That could be enough for me right now or this week. But obviously, we'll keep going. David's not believing the lie that his prayers are bouncing off the ceiling. He's not believing the lie that he has to distance himself from his problems before he's able to go to the Lord. This man is potentially in the midst of running for his life and he cries out to God, hurry, help, I need you. Which I wanna take a moment to insert here as Joel was talking about that with the poetic writings of the Bible, we get major insight on the actual individual that is also writing. And this can lead us processing through some more descriptive versus prescriptive writings. Descriptive simply means that this something did happen and prescriptive, meaning that this something should happen. So when we open the psalm and David is asking the Lord to listen, well, we know that the Lord is listening, right? But that doesn't mean that David didn't want to say it. He's describing what his heart feels. He's describing that the fact that maybe, Lord, I feel like you haven't been listening. Listen to me. 
Because we also read in 1 John 5.14, this is the confidence we have before him. Whenever we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. So we have confidence that he hears us in our times of need. But we see here, David's heart is just longing to feel heard as well. Lord, come do something in this situation. I don't know about you, but this is something that I have been praying for in my own life. Some of you may not be running for your life right now, but you are processing through so much internally and honestly don't know where to start. I know for me, I'd rather be like David in a way of just, I'd rather go find a cave, but just hide in it. Pretend like nothing is going on bad in the world or in my situation if I just distract myself long enough or if I distance myself far, far enough away from it. If I just change the environment around me, if I self-medicate or do enough so that I don't get bored and be confronted with the emotions and what my heart actually feels. It's so easy to turn to distractions. But none of this fixes anything. What I love about David is that, at least in this moment, he's not being distracted. He's not keeping himself a busybody, but he's dealing with the raw emotion in his heart. Lord, listen to me. Help me. Listen to my voice when I'm calling on you. As opposed to not even approaching the Lord in the first place with our situation. Now, let me say, I'm not a big steps guy. This isn't a five steps for God to be your refuge sermon. But looking at the Psalms, it has just been so convicting to me at how little I, and maybe you too, I don't know, can, that we can go to the Lord to carry our burdens. How little we can go to, to him to deal with the emotions in our hearts, to believe that he can actually come in and do something. It's been hard to believe that he's going to take a weary and burdened heart and make it joyful. Yet David says, let my prayer be set before you as incense, the raising of my hands as the evening offering. David worships through his own lament. He wrestles with his heart being burdened by his situation and at the same time worships the Lord by reminding himself, you're the only one that can do anything. You're the only one that can fix this mess. Let my prayers and my raised hands be a symbol to you, Lord, that I am putting this in your hands. Psalm 71 is another personal psalm of lament. David says towards the end, but I will hope continually and praise you more and more. Let this be an encouragement to you. When your flesh says you are too tired, you are too far gone, you have too much to do, he can't really help you. Let me say he's the only one that you can fully approach just as you are. In your weariness, in your distance, in your busyness, or in your need of help, he's the only one that you can run to, and he is so welcoming to have his children run to him. David says, let my prayers be set before you as incense. Revelation 5.8 talks about the elders surrounding the throne of God. It says, each one had a harp and golden bowls filled with incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Our prayers go to the Lord, not only for our time of need, but also as a way of worshiping the Lord. When we're going to God in our brokenness, it's another way of saying, God, yet again, you're the only one that can fix this because you're the only one that has handled this problem of sin in this world when you defeated sin on the cross for me. 
And not only this, but sometimes it's even become a cliche of saying, God hears your prayers, which is true. But it's also so much more than that. It's not just because he has a big ear and has to listen, but he delights in hearing your prayers. He hears your prayers because he desires to, because it's like a sweet fragrance or aroma or offering that comes up and pleases him. These prayers are literally stored up in heaven as worship to the Lord. And guess what? He doesn't just want to listen, but he truly wants to do something about it as well. So from all of this, we see that David is approaching the Lord in his time of need, whenever that specifically was in his life. But what is he also asking for in this prayer? Verses three to five. Lord, set up a guard for my mouth. Keep watch at the door of my lips. Do not let my heart turn to any evil thing or perform wicked acts with evildoers. Do not let me feast on their delicacies. Let the righteous one strike me. It is an act of faithful love. Let him rebuke me. It is oil for my head. Let me not refuse it. So we can boil down David's request to two things here. Protection from what overflows out of his heart and mouth in verses three and four. And humility to receive rebuke in verse five. So, What David is first asking is closely relating to the gospel of Luke when Jesus is telling his disciples, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. David is asking the Lord that his heart would be set on him, that his heart would be fixated on Yahweh and not turning to any evil thing. Don't let me feast on the delicacies of the enemy, Lord. Yet again, looking at David, we get a glimpse of the reality that sin is tempting. David's not hiding the fact from God that what the enemy offers appears to be good. Think of Eve to eat of the fruit appeared to be a good thing to her, when in actuality it was ripping her away from the goodness that God had for them. The truth is the only one that has ever been able to speak from the overflow out of his heart in all truth and love like David is asking for right here is Jesus. Jesus is the only one that has ever been able to live day in and day out speaking the truth in love like in Ephesians 4.15. For many of you, this verse may have been used against you where speaking the truth in love really looked like somebody coming up to, me, up to you and just word vomiting so that they can clear their conscience. Maybe this could have a negative connotation for someone that has been abusing authority and there was no love involved on either parties of whatever truth was mentioned. Then you also have another ditch where we speak in love to one another, but there are no truths spoken at all. We need to understand, I need to understand that we're broken people. Like we're gravitating towards evil and Jesus has left us the church to steward speaking the truth and love to one another. We need to be reminded that we can get set in our ways. I can get set in my ways and our patterns become more important than the truth of what we are actually living. Proverbs 27, five through six says, better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. 
There's another way that this proverb has also been put. It's a quote from a man named John Newton. He was an English abolitionist in the 1800s. He says, Our natural temptation is to say what we should not say, or to not say what we should say. One is cruel arrogance, the other cruel cowardice, and neither is love. So, Rather than jumping to speak the truth, or rather than bottling up words and cowardice, let us seek to speak the truth of Jesus Christ in love to one another. And let me say, this can't be done on your own. We need the Spirit. We need the Lord to direct us how to humbly approach one another to allow us to see the blind spots that we have in our lives. Only the Lord can provide that wisdom. And I don't know what situations you may be thinking of in your head right now, but let a prayer simply be for you. Lord, keep watch at the door of my lips. Do not let my heart turn to any evil thing. Because this also works on the receiving end as well. David's first asking, Lord, let my tongue be guarded by you. And then he goes on to basically say, Let me also be humble enough to receive hard words from the righteous around me. Man, what a prayer. It's one thing to say that you want correction. It can be another thing completely to actually receive it. But David reminds himself, a strike from a righteous person is an act of faithful love. I don't think we have to think too hard about a time where someone told us something that hurt, but it was for our good. You may think of one of your favorite mentors that helped you learn a craft or a specific job. They're giving you hard truths because they want to see you succeed. Proclaiming these truths and love are necessary specifically for us as the church, that we would point one another to the gospel, to the good news of Jesus. Speaking the truth and love can also look like a lot of other things as well. Yes, to rebuke and reprove, but also to encourage and to exhort one another. And maybe for some of you this morning, that is your biggest fear. (laughs) The idea of being vulnerable and willing to receive loving correction sounds like a nightmare. But if you look at David's prayer, it looks like he is in the exact same boat. He's asking the Lord to simply let it happen. In verse 5, just like Adam and Eve, we want to keep our sin and our struggles private. We want to keep our brokenness and struggles to ourselves. But David recognizes in his heart that he needs the righteous around him. This is why God has given us the church, that we would grow into Christ, who is the head. And let me add that he is the ultimate righteous one, as Ephesians 4 goes on to say. We're all here that we either want to know God more or we want him to be glorified in our lives in all ways or you simply just want to know what's going on here. There's no pretty way to put a bow on this and how we speak into one another's lives. There's a multitude of situations that could be going on in your life that we could practically speak into, but we can rest on two things. The first is that our God is approachable enough that we can go to him to guide our hearts and our lips. And second, we can lean into the Spirit to lead the way for us, that we may be able to speak in truth and love. The next part of the psalm reads, Even now my prayer is against 
the wicked, the evil acts of the wicked. When their rulers will be thrown off the sides of a cliff, the people will listen to my words, for they are pleasing. As when one plows and breaks up the soil, turning up rocks, so our bones have been scattered at the mouth of Sheol. Now this is where it can be difficult to process some of David's writings, his imprecatory prayers. Imprecatory prayers are prayers that invoke judgment, calamity, or curses upon one's enemies or those perceived as the enemies of God. And one of the first things when reading this that crosses my mind is, is it okay to pray like this? Comparing David's prayers to the rest of the Bible where Jesus says to love my enemy, how does this measure up to when David goes on to say, let the wicked fall into their own nets as I pass by safely? How do we bring in the truth that our enemies are not of flesh and blood, like it says in Ephesians 6? I think we see here the reality of David's heart that he's not afraid to approach God with his distaste of the world that he has, where he looks around and he sees brokenness, sinfulness, and idolatry. And I want to make a note here as well that in this prayer, David asks the Lord that in removing the leadership of his enemies, that the people would truly listen to David's words and know that they are pleasing. So you have a bit of both imprecatory prayer as well as intercessory prayer for the followers of the enemy. But ultimately, when, when Jesus taught his disciples how to pray, he said to pray like this, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. We can look to a perfect Jesus to be the basis of our prayers, that he would be the righteous judge And we can also look to a broken David to realize that we can approach the throne with all of our baggage, frustration, grief, and pain, praying for justice to come. You can pray for your enemies, yet pray for evil to end. Pray for the people abusing power, yet pray for God to stop them. Pray for the darkness in the world that God would come and bring his light into it, yet pray that God would come and put an end to the darkness and bring justice to the oppressed. Let this be an encouragement that God truly says, come as you are. Lastly, verses 8 through 10. But my eyes look to you, Lord, my Lord. I seek refuge in you. Do not let me die. Protect me from the trap they have set for me and from the snares of evildoers. Let the wicked fall into their own nets while I pass by safely. Lastly, David finished with, my eyes are set on you, even in the midst of the enemy hunting him down to destroy him. I want to take a second to mention just the liberties that we do have here in the West and take a moment to encourage us to also pray for the persecuted church where there literally are pastors, members, families, brothers and sisters in Christ that are truly running for their lives in areas of the world that we may not even be aware of right now. As we pray for our spiritual purity and freedom from the enemy, and as we look to our brothers and sisters here to build us up, to reproof us, to speak the truth and love to us, and as we pray for the spiritual attacks of the enemy to fall short, pray the same for the persecuted church as well, that in the midst of even the physical attacks they receive, that we would all have our eyes set on the Lord. As we read this psalm of lament, Some of you may be saying the same thing as David right now. 
Lord, listen to my voice when I call on you. I feel alone, unprotected, desolate. May we look to the cross where Jesus took on our loneliness. He took on our lack of protection, our desolation. He took on flesh so that he would sympathize with our weaknesses. He ultimately came to defeat death and the grave for you and for me and for David and all of his prayers here. And ultimately will come again to destroy all evil that we may find our refuge in him for eternity. Now, I know that this isn't clear cut, but the beauty of the Psalms and the beauty of the gospel is that God is not asking you to approach his throne all fixed up. He welcomes the weary, the outcast, the weathered and torn down. He welcomes the troubled, the one with questions, the one that is wrestling with their heart every time they lay down their head to get some sleep. God will be your refuge. Jesus was the only one that willingly fell into the nets of the enemy so that you could be the ones that passed by safely. Jesus was the one who could perfectly feast with the hearts of the enemy and at the same time not fall into the traps of their delicacies. He's the one that fully took on the acts of the wicked so that when you are confronted with tragedy, he can say, I know this hurts. He's the one that received love but no truth When Judas approached him, calling him rabbi and kissing him on the cheek. Jesus is the one that received truth but no love when king of the Jews was placed above the cross. Jesus is the one that truly raised his hands on the cross as the evening offering for all tribes, tongues, and languages to know the true king to take on their sin, our sin, and to be the ultimate atoning sacrifice between God and man. And we look forward to the day when golden bowls of incense of the prayers of all the people have fully formed into songs of praise from all people around the world. King Jesus is our refuge, and his love doesn't run out. His security doesn't run out. His keeping of you does not run out. It doesn't mean it will be easy. It doesn't mean that there isn't danger in this world. It doesn't mean we won't turn our backs on him at times, but it does mean that his grace, his surety, and his reliability are certain for us to run to him when danger comes, that in him we may find refuge. God, you are our refuge. Amen.